You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot with you on this Thursday night. We threw you a little bit of a curveball this week. We usually do the Wednesday show, but because of the absolute sprint the next week is going to be, we have the Colts game on Sunday and the quick turnaround with New Orleans. We're going to do a couple shows while we're out there. We thought one pregame show this week. We don't have a guest this week, so I figured we'd kind of put the preview show, kind of the what's happening in Bill's world show, and then talk a little AFC East as well. And whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. I guess we have to start. We teased it two days ago. And if you haven't seen it yet, I won't bring up the video here. You you should have to do your own research if you want to see it. But we've been talking a lot about apples the last couple episodes. And honestly, Ryan, I can't believe how much I should know better. People are passionate about food, period. Anything that you do with food from the way that you eat it, from the way that you enjoy it, whether or not you like it at all, people are going to get in your mentions. We've learned. And so we started talking about apples. You're a big uh, Honeycrisp guy. I'm a Red Delicious guy. I think it's just about what you kind of grew up with. I think that that's how it ends up happening. But I tried the Honeycrisp. You can go watch the video on my uh, my Twitter page. It was fine. It was good. As a matter of fact, I will say I did enjoy the crisp. I mean, it's living up to the name. You bite in and you it's a very nice, crispy apple. I like that. Sometimes you don't always get that with Red Delicious. But when you get a crispy Red Delicious, it hits all the right notes. And there was just this weird note going on with the Honeycrisp I didn't love. I, I can't put my finger on it. I still can't. Uh, like we were saying before the show, there must be something funky going on with those taste buds because Caitlin said it was super <laughs> sweet. Everyone that I have is super sweet. I, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, the Apple conversation has taken on new life. I saw WGR was talking about it on the airwaves a few days ago. Um, there's an insult to Granny Smith, I guess, on air and WGR, which I fully support. Those are just that's just a pie apple. That's all Granny Smith is good for. Um, but, yeah, this Apple discussion has taken over Buffalo media. All right. That's enough. I mean, apples. I, I, I like the apple just fine. I'm, I'm not going to crap on the Honeycrisp. It was good. It was, it was good. I, I'd, I'd still prefer a Red Delicious, but again, I think it's just because of what I, what I grew up with. We got to get into a lot of stuff here tonight, Ryan, mm-hmm. and we're going to start with what's going on with the Buffalo Bills breaking news this morning. Starting right tackle Spencer Brown COVID list. It starts bringing up questions. First and foremost, likelihood that he plays this Sunday very low, even if he is vaccinated. And that's the most important place to start. The vaccination status is unclear. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, Sean McDermott goes on WGR on Fridays, then does the press conference. We'll see if any more developments, you know, come about this. But my sense from Sean when talking about some of these COVID issues is he treats it a lot like the concussion protocol. When a guy goes on the COVID list, He just says he's on the COVID list and and he doesn't really get too much into it. And now here's the big difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated. If you go back to what happened with Aaron Rodgers, who obviously uh, was unvaccinated and very um, highly publicized as such, 
you know, you go into a 10 day quarantine period. So Starla Tulele uh, on Sunday before the Jets game, he uh, and enters the COVID list, has a COVID positive. And so his vaccination status, similarly to Spencer Brown, unknown. So if he's unvaccinated, that's at least 10 days until he can return. It's a force mandated quarantine. So if Spencer Brown is unvaccinated, you're looking at not only this game coming up on Sunday, but New Orleans as well. But we don't know. Now, if he is vaccinated, either of these guys, then you go into a wait and see approach. As soon as the symptoms are gone and you produce two negative tests within 24 hours of each other, you are cleared to return. And this goes back to what we're talking about in summer, Ryan. It's not so much about making the vaccine this political thing. It's the rules. And if you are unvaccinated, and you test positive and miss those 10 games, potentially 10 days, two games, it's a competitive disadvantage. Your thoughts? This is the worst time of year for this to happen to the Bills. This quick turnaround from Sunday to Thursday and the the possibility that they might be without their uh, big man in the middle and star Latula and then obviously Spencer Brown at right tackle. We saw what this offensive line looked like a few weeks ago in that Jacksonville game without Spencer Brown, and it was not pretty, Matt. Multiple pressures across the line, minus Mitch Moore's sacks allowed Josh Allen running for his life. Now, that's not to say that the Bills maybe can't come up with some kind of uh, quick fix, come up with some kind of new solution to this problem. But Spencer Brown has been a key cog to this offense. And if he is not out there on Sunday... Okay, that you know, that's generally what happens when these players end up on that COVID reserve list. But then if he ends up missing Thursday as well against the Saints, that's disastrous. And it's disastrous when you have a Patriots team, a team that we'll talk about later tonight, right on the heels of the Bills right now, uh, as we're getting, you know, into the second half of the regular season. So spin zero four eight one on YouTube asks, does getting COVID count as getting a vaccination after you recover from it? I don't believe so. But what I do think happens is if you've had COVID already and you get one dose of the vaccination, you are then considered fully vaccinated almost upon doing so. Uh, I'd have to look into that for the actual specifics, but I don't think that that's the case. But, you know, historically speaking, you know, we only have 20 ish, 22 months to go off of here. If you get COVID, you tend to be in kind of like a clear uh, in the clear a bit uh, for the few months after that. But you, know, you never know. We still don't know enough about this thing to kind of figure it out. So we'll wait and see. Now, the interesting thing, and you know, a lot of people want to know if Star's vaccinated, if Spencer Brown's vaccinated. I don't know when the one day a week that the Bills players get tested, right? That's, that's information that we don't know. But if you're vaccinated, you only get tested once a week. If you're unvaccinated, you get tested daily. So I think it's interesting that now we see Star popped on a Sunday, Spencer Brown popped on a Thursday, potentially one of those guys was getting tested any every day. So one of them could be unvaccinated. But again, there's a lot of like speculating here. We don't know, but getting into what it could look like on Sunday, I think that's the most important thing to kind of move past the fact that these things happen and what could be on Sunday. I tweeted it out and I know people are really frustrated with Cody Ford right now, but I am not going to be surprised if we see Cody Ford back in the lineup. You know, one of the things is I, I do want to get a look at Ryan Bates wherever, right? The guy could play every position. I, I think I, I actually wrote a story after the last game saying that I think Cody Ford should be benched. It was that bad of a performance. And Ryan Bates is that first guy that comes to mind when you're talking about who you want to insert there. The problem is, is, is a few things. Number one, Ryan Bates right now is the backup center. And with Mitch Morse's concussion history, injury, not so much injury history, but just that in in availability because of the concussion stuff, and it gets you worried, if he goes down, Ike Butker's got some center experience, but Ryan Bates has probably been taking most of the center snaps. He's he's listed as the backup center on uh, the depth chart. Whatever snaps that Mitch doesn't get, I'd imagine Ryan Bates gets the other ones as listed uh, as that backup. So, you know, I think that the hesitation to put him in the lineup is – if he gets hurt and then you're left with Mitch Morse, what do you do then? You got to move all these different pieces around. And then on the Jameel Douglas side of things, I know there's a lot, some people like, all right, then put Jameel Douglas, see what he's got. Ryan, we watched him in preseason and training camp. Jameel Douglas, in my opinion, is not some saving grace to what 
is ailing this team with Co- when Cody Ford is in there. And again, a former second round pick who, you know, maybe that was a turning point. Maybe he had to hit rock bottom. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to put the, the best picture here on this situation, but I think Bill's fans might have to get to a place where they accept that maybe we're going to have to run through this thing one more time with Cody Ford. It's certainly a possibility. And, and listen, if it ends up being Cody Ford, the, it is what it is. It's it's what the Bills have determined is the best five in that scenario. If if it's not, I could see Jameel Douglas being in play. And, and you're right. Jameel Douglas is not going to solve the issue on this offensive line. Uh, but, but maybe the Bills are fed up with Cody Ford after that last performance and they give Douglas a look there. You make great points about Ryan Bates. It, it makes it very difficult. And I know some people hate the well, I, I don't like the, uh, well, what if ha- this happens to a guy who's the backup this? And, and I get that. But when you have a person like Mitch Morris who has a concussion history, it takes one hit to the helmet. And then Ryan Bates, whether he's playing at tackle or whatever the case may be, he'd have to kick inside to center. And then you're, you're going back to the drawing board on the fly. So it's not an ideal scenario. I saw someone in here mention Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle had one what one snap at tackle last week and it was at left tackle mind yeah. you and Deion Dawkins got banged up and he immediately gave up a sack uh so it, that's maybe not the ideal scenario either Matt and I watched him a lot this summer and we both kind of came away between that and the preseason said this guy's not ready but we've also seen the Bills lose Rashad Wild Goose and Jack Anderson when they ha- tried to stash those players on the practice squad. You can't stash a Tommy Doyle on the practice squad. Someone would claim him. Someone would sign him. The Bills have to keep him on that 53-man roster to develop him, but he, I don't think he's the answer either. It kind of speaks to the scenario that the Bills are in right now, and it's not a good scenario where maybe Cody Ford truly is their best internal option. Maybe, like you said, hitting rock bottom, we see something different from him. Uh, but it's it's a problem with DeForest Buckner and company coming to town. And we're going to get into this game quite a bit, but let me paint a picture here with Cody Ford, too. And I've been hard on him, like in recent games. I mean, he last the last game, like he was he was bad. And and it, I think at a certain point, you got to call a spade a spade. Right. And but let me let, let me take you back to last season. Right. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano dealing with some injuries early on. They were, you know, the Bills had to turn somewhere and they went to AJ Klein. Do you remember, Ryan, those first couple of starts? I think the first one was against Miami. The second one was against Kansas City. They're, the Bills have to find a way to get AJ Klein off this roster right now kind of starts. You know, the, he was about as bad as you can be. And it was concerning immediately because it brought into question the depth at linebacker behind two guys. Milano more so than Tremaine Edmonds, but both guys who have been dinged up at various times in their career. Look at the AJ Klein timeline since then. Defensive player of the week one week last season. He, he played in place of Tremaine Edmonds after mostly filling in at Will Linebacker last season and was spectacular last week against the Jets. Coming downhill, he had almost had an interception. Second on the team in tackles. Couple tackles for a loss. Almost had a sack. He was doing a little bit of everything last week. Is Cody Ford A.J. Klein? No. He's in year three and has been pretty much a disappointment at this point as a draft pick. But all I'm saying is for or is for the no way for no how Ford crowd, there might be a little something to letting a guy kind of, you know, go through some adversity and see what they can come back with after the fact. I'd be intrigued to see if Cody Ford can respond and maybe show a little bit more than we saw in that Jacksonville game. Yeah, you might be right. And that is a great example with AJ Klein. I remember seeing tweets about this is how much dead cap the bills would carry if they cut him after those first few games Uh, and the bills and, and Klein to his credit proved us right. And I know some people would look at Scott's question here, tough call, rather forward at right guard or dwell it right tackle, pick your poison. Some fans would pick the poison, but we don't know, you know, it <laughs> could end up being that Ford comes in and, and plays at a very high level, or at least play may, maybe high level is not uh, going to happen, but maybe he plays at an acceptable rate where he holds his own. He does enough. Uh, and, you know, we we've talked about this numerous times, Matt, he, he's more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. We saw some life from the run game last week. Maybe he would be okay out there if they're going to try to get Matt Breida more involved in this offense this upcoming week. Uh, maybe if the Bills are going to utilize the play action, maybe that helps him out a little bit too. So there's little scenarios, there's little things that could help him. Uh, maybe maybe it was just like you said, it, that was just like the rock bottom for him. But 
if he's out there, one, it tells you a lot about what they actually think of this depth that they have. Uh, and two, maybe it is also just a little bit of belief that that isn't the Cody Ford that they've seen in his time here. And they think that he can rebound from a performance like that. I want to hit on Doyle because I think like some fans, I saw the conversation around this Doyle um, Ford Williams thing is like, okay, why not keep Williams at right guard, put in Tommy Doyle and just help him as much as you can, whether it be lining up the tight end on his side, you know, Dawson Knox, obviously a pretty good blocker go in that direction where you can kind of, you know, protect the rookie a little bit. It can't be worse, right? Well, I think it can be worse. We saw the one snap from Doyle last week and we're talking about, you know, and we'll get to one piece of this that I want to get that I think that's super important. But let's get to this question first, because I think it's a good one from Charles G. What can the Bills do to help Ford in terms of play calling, Ryan? They could bring in the extra lineman. We've seen them do that a little bit where if someone becomes eligible. They can keep the tight end in. They can keep a running back in the backfield uh, with the sole purpose of uh, staying in as the sole blocker, staying in for, you know, to chip someone before they go out and run around. There's little things you can do. Uh, over the course of an entire game where an offense might see 50, 60, 70 snaps, though, you're not necessarily going to be able to protect them for every single one of those. So there's going to be some some snaps where he has to hold his own, where he has to know his assignment. So th- there's little things you can do to mask it. And I'm sure no matter who the Bills roll out there on Sunday, they're going to do those little things to try to protect uh, Josh Allen to try to salvage this offensive line without Spencer Brown, without John Feliciano. Um, it's going to be interesting. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, Josh has to consciously keep reminding himself that there is a running clock, a quicker running clock this week. I mean, if you go back to those first couple games, you know, it was a, it, it really overpowered this offense, offensive line and Josh in the first game against Pittsburgh when they were able to get so much pressure up front. But you saw them adjust in week two, week three, where I felt like Josh was kind of flowing a little bit when he couldn't get rid of the ball almost immediately. He was ready to kind of, evade move around the pocket he's got to be ready to do that a little bit more consistently and you got to hope that you go to the Jags game and it was worst case scenario because not only was Hmm. Ford and Bucker horrible inside Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams were bad on the on the perimeter as well so you need the guys around him to pick up Cody Ford a little bit and you got to get really good play on the outside now the problem you mentioned them already and we can kind of shift gear gears here into the first part of this matchup that I think is the most intriguing with the Colts on Sunday DeForest Buckner to me is the guy that is the biggest potential game wrecker. And where is he going to be rushing? Where is he going to be matching up against Ike Bucker and Cody Ford potentially if Ford starts on Sunday. So that gives you some hesitation, but I will say this, go back and watch how the Colts were able to have success at the, at the point of attack defensively last year. Big reason why Danico Autry, he's now in Tennessee. Quiddy Pay has played better the last few weeks, but he has not been nearly the player that um, Danico Autry was in that game. And I think for the Bills, this is a defensive line for the ten- or for the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think that you're very scared of them. They come into this game, 22 sacks on the season. That ranks 14th in the NFL. Their, their pressure rate right now is under 20, 19.3%. They're, get, they're generating pressure. That's 28th, fourth worst in the NFL. Um, and they're blitzing the fourth lease. So, you know, as bad as the pressure rate has been for them, they don't even have enough confidence in their back end and maybe some of their other additional weapons to consistently send pressure. So I think that this is if you're if you if you have to deal with this issue, this is a this is a week against an Indianapolis team that I don't think they pose nearly as many problems as that Josh Allen led Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line did a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, I think I even underrated not only how good Josh Allen was, but that defensive line in general for Jacksonville. Yeah, and you make a great point. They don't trust the back end of that defense, so that's why you're not going to necessarily see a lot of extra blitzes or we haven't this year. Uh, Whether Bills fans know this or not, no defense has allowed more passing touchdowns this season than Indianapolis. They've allowed 23 passing touchdowns this year. That bodes well for Josh Allen in this passing attack. Uh, Another way, you know, someone in that previous question, how can they help? Well, yes, Dawson Knox can help as a blocker, but he also helps in terms of creating another mismatch out there on the field where that's another reason you don't want to send extra uh, pressure, extra heat, because he's another guy now that you have to account for in the passing game uh, that can really hurt you if you, if you send someone and he's running free in the middle of the field. So little things like that can add up. 
but it's going to be up to that front five, the extra lineman if they keep someone back there, the running backs, whomever and whatever they do, rolling Josh Allen out, whatever the case, it's going to be up to, like you said, the tackles to perform better because it's it's when two or three guys are losing their assignments that Josh Allen has no path to getting away from these defenders. If one person loses their assignment, he generally lets that player run by him. He moves up in the pocket. He rolls out to his left or more often to his right and then makes some throws that way. So, you know, I'm not ready to sit here and and hit the doomsday panic button, uh, but obviously not having Brown is a huge, huge loss for this line as it causes them to have to reshuffle and try to figure things out here with just days before not only one game against Indianapolis, but uh, another game a few days later against the New Orleans Saints. From hot-to-go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, tops, Oh, delicious salads and brownie trays. Don't let me forget the goodies. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. They'll hook you up this weekend, get you stocked up uh, for the game. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. I want to uh, transition here a little bit and I, I want to flip it over to the bills offensive side of the ball. And if you're, if you've just joined us, welcome into the show. Uh, I want to talk about, I put up a story yesterday. I was listening to the bill Simmons podcast and um, they got into the AFC East. And I think that that conversation right now is very interesting. And while I didn't agree with a lot of what bill Simmons evaluation was as a, a pretty well-known Patriots fan, I did think that the questions that he was asking were worth discussing. And we're going to get to that later in the show. We'll get to our predictions. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about this matchup in terms of how it could play out. Offensively for the Colts, Michael Pittman, to me, as much as everybody fears Jonathan Taylor, rightfully so, he's so good. To me, the guy that I think could potentially be the difference maker in this game is Michael Pittman. I thought that he did some good things in the playoff game last year. And if you remember, Ryan, he dropped that touchdown pass. It was just a little bit too far for his outstretched hands. He's a guy that I feel like has come into his own this season. He's playing really confident football. He's a matchup problem. I almost feel like in in, in some ways, while he doesn't play almost exactly as physical as A.J. Brown, his size profile, I think, gives cornerbacks problems. And when when the Bills have struggled against receivers historically, outside of, like, say, the Chiefs, who everybody struggles against the Chiefs, it's been those bigger body receivers. So Pittman, to me, is a guy that I have my eyes wide open about him. Jordan Poyer actually met, mentioned Pittman specifically. Uh, I don't even think he was asked about him, but he mentioned Pittman specifically and said, he plays the game a lot like I do. Super aggressive. Uh, he likes to get physical. He's got a real like fluidity to his game. So I think it kind of hides how physical he plays. But he's somebody that I'm looking at because look at this Bills team, Ryan, historically. They don't give up those monster rushing games. Even when they were getting you know pounded in the running game a few times. I think it was like, was it Philadelphia two years ago when Jordan mm-hmm. Howard came yeah. in here? And, you know, but it still wasn't that gaudy like. Derrick Henry elite game type of performance. They, they held J- Jonathan Taylor to like 78 yards and a touchdown in the playoff game. To me, it's Pittman. Where, where do you, who do you think is the bigger threat in this game? I'm, I'm going to go against what you're saying. And I'm going to go okay. with Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor okay. is, is playing at a extremely high level this year. Uh, last year was his rookie year. There's still some growing pains, some learning that you have to do when, when you're running back, even when you're, you're one of the best running backs in that class. Uh, the Colts still got a steal in, in Taylor in that second round. But you look at him now, tied for the league lead in rushing yards with Derrick Henry. And some people will say, well, Henry's been out now for a few weeks because of the season-ending injury. While true, Taylor matched his, his yardage with 58 less carries. So that just tells you right there that he is a threat to kind of break off some big runs. No running back has more 20-plus yard runs in the NFL then Taylor, he has nine touchdowns on the ground this year. That's second in the league behind Henry. He is a weapon now. He is someone that makes life easier for Carson Wentz. I don't think people necessarily realize how good Wentz has looked this year because of Taylor. Uh, 63% completion percentage, something like 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. It, he has helped bring that quarterback back to 
where he kind of was in his Philadelphia days. So I just think that Taylor is going to be that main threat for the Bills until the Bills can, unless the Bills can kind of start scoring points and making them more one-dimensional. I'll go Taylor. But to your point on Pittman, Pittman is dangerous on third down. He's Wentz's, I would say, favorite weapon on third down. Mm -hmm. I think in the last three weeks, he's posted something like 11 catches for 200-plus yards and a few touchdowns. So they've really been working on that rapport as of late. So, you know, they're both weapons. They they have some. They always have a few tight ends that you kind of have to uh, know where they're at at all times. This is going to – I said it months ago. I think I actually had the Bills losing this game months ago uh, as one of their kind of uh, surprise games that they're going to drop in our pre-season uh, predictions. I think this is a really good team. I, I think that they've uh, improved at the quarterback position in terms of going from Rivers to Wentz in terms of what Rivers was, even though he had a phenomenal playoff game against Buffalo. Uh, I, I think they're a real dangerous threat, and, and it's going to start with Taylor on offense. Don't forget about uh, Naheem Hines, who I thought, you know, we focused in on him a lot in the playoff game last year. And I don't think he necessarily had the impact in that game that I, you know, feared that he could against this Bills defense. But he's always somebody, you know, especially with uh, Tremaine Edmonds out, um, although he's given up a couple of those plays. You know, he's somebody that uh, I definitely have my eyes open for every time that he's targeted. Could be a little bit of a safety valve for Carson Wentz in the passing game. If I'm looking for a path to success for Jonathan Taylor in this game, and listen, up front, this offensive line for the Indianapolis mm. Colts, it's legit. I mean, this is going to be an absolute challenge for this Bills defensive line. Like, don't get me wrong on that. I just think that what they do schematically when Leslie Frazier finds your strength, he usually, along with Sean McDermott in this defense, they usually try to find a way to limit it or take it away a little bit. And so that's why... To me, I kind of shift my focus over to Michael Pittman because he had some success against them last year. But to your point, Jonathan Taylor could certainly have some success in this game. I mean, you look at their um, their offensive line right now. Braden Smith, um, he's somebody that kind of really stands out. I'm actually surprised over on Pro Football Focus. I'm looking at the the yearly grades. Braden Smith is rated graded as their top um, offensive lineman. Then it goes to Eric Fisher as their second. Their third is Mark Lewinsky, who was a free agent a couple of years ago. I thought the Bills uh, should take a, uh, a crack at him, but he re-signed with the, uh, with the Colts. Then all the way down with a 57 overall grade and a 53.9 pass blocking grade, I'm shocked, is Quentin Nelson. That's, that's surprising to me. I've not watched a lot of Indianapolis Colts football this year, but if you're telling me that through 10 weeks, you're talking about Quentin Nelson is maybe the fourth best offensive lineman on that line. He could have a good game, a breakout game at any point. And why I think that there could be a path to success for this run game, likely no star Latulale, who's still on the COVID list. We don't know his status. We don't know where he's going to be. And also Tremaine Edmonds looking like he's probably going to be out. Hasn't practiced two days in a row. Matt Milano in a red non-contact jersey limited all week. Uh, with dealing with shoulder injury, the Bills are banged up a little bit. They're going to have to really focus in to stop that run. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. And listen, you know, I haven't watched some of the Colts games either, but I, I would be shocked if Quentin Nelson was, was their fourth or whatever best lo- offensive lineman. This guy is a stud. He's been a stud since day one in the NFL. Uh, one of, if not the best guards in the game. And, and that's nothing against Braden Smith, Eric Fisher, both of whom both tackles were on the injury report earlier this week. I believe they both uh, at least practice in a limited or full capacity today. So I'm anticipating them both out there on Sunday. It's a great line across the board. But it, Quentin Nelson right alone, he can really take players out of the game. Uh, if, if the Bills defensive line has any success against this unit, significant and consistent pressure run stops uh, it, it would it would say a lot about that defensive line and, and specific defensive linemen if they're able to because i i think this is the best line that they've seen this year uh i, I think it's just that talented of a group and and it's if the colts can kind of sneak into the playoffs this year it's a reason why i think they could make a run because they can protect once they can open up lanes for jonathan taylor and they can make things interesting that's definitely something that's alarming. And I think that, you know, this offense doesn't really scare you at all, in my opinion. I know you mentioned that Carson Wentz is playing better and, you know, maybe as good as at times in Philadelphia. 
but he's still a guy that when I have noticed the Indianapolis Colts this season, it's been because of some really kind of funny, questionable decision-making from Carson Wentz. He throws the ball sometimes, and you're like, what are you doing, man? Let's go through it last week against Jacksonville. The Colts go up 17 to nothing. Field goal, blocked punt, so a special team score gets them the 10 nothing. Then they get a Jonathan Taylor four-yard touchdown run. Then they get another field goal in the second quarter. Then they get another field goal in the fourth quarter. So you're talking about three field goals and a touchdown. The Bills and the Colts squeak out a 23-17 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, you know, they're playing better football. Don't get me wrong. But this is not an offense, an elite offense by any stretch. And I I think Michael Pittman's a guy that you have to, you know, really key in on. I think they have some some weapons with Jonathan Taylor as well. But if I'm the Bills coming in here uh as the number one ranked offense, I mean DVOA even, uh, I'm coming in here to make a statement. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, these are two defenses that are very opportunistic. The Bills lead the NFL in, in turnovers, uh, 24 turnovers so far this season. The Colts are second at 21. So both units are going to be trying to make some big plays in this game. When it comes to the Bills offense, I would worry about any time that they run with the ball, with it, whether it's Singletary, Breida, Moss, or even Josh Allen running the ball. You're going to have guys trying to punch that out left and right. Uh, it's Like I said, very opportunistic defense. The Bills, the Bills are very disciplined. They're very smart. Uh, they, they make plays when they're needed. We've seen them jump routes. We've seen them get the, the batted passes intercepted. So I, I think there's going to be opportunities for both of these units to create turnovers. And I think whoever wins the turnover battle, it wouldn't shock me one bit if that's the team that wins on Sunday. We were just talking about a pregame, getting ready for New Orleans. So we got a couple things cooking for next week, Ryan. Like we, I put out a tweet yesterday asking uh, Bill's Mafia. I said, listen, I'm, I have a story idea. Uh, I'll need actual Bills fans for it. So I, I, I fired off the tweet. You know, when you, when you have a fan base like this, it's, it's pretty easily easy to kind of get some um, cooperation, some involvement, if you will. So I, I fired off the tweet basically saying, we're going to New Orleans. I have a story idea. Slide into my DMs uh, if you'd be interested in participating if you're going down to New Orleans. Ryan, I think we've just passed 110 DMs. So get, let's get this straight. That's 110 people that just follow me. They just got wind of this through following me that, you know, some of them are bringing like 25 people down to New Orleans, 10 people down to New Orleans. Just think how many people are going to Louisiana for this Thanksgiving Day football game. It's going to be crazy. I'm super excited about it. Uh, let's get into our picks, Ryan. I haven't even formulated mine, so I'm going to kind of do some last second consideration give it some last second consideration why don't you start us off i had the colts winning this game earlier this season and with this spencer brown news with no star latula no tremaine edmonds it gives me every reason to kind of stick with that but call it a gut feeling call it the bills win streak at home in november i think they've won six straight at home in november uh whatever the case may be this past defense i just have the bills winning but it's going to be a, a nail biter I'm going to say same score as the playoff game, 27-24 Bills win, but Tyler Bass hits the game winner as the time runs out, 50-plus yarder, Bills win. They go you know, into this Thanksgiving matchup on a pretty high note. I'm not a believer in the Colts. I think that they are susceptible in the pass defense. I think they're one-dimensional offensively as well as Carson Wentz has played at times. And I just think in this environment, Carson Wentz dealing with that, with this level of defense, this offense hasn't been challenged really outside of maybe that Rams game. But I don't know if the Rams are really the, the elite mm-hmm. defense that they've been. They didn't look like it, you know, a week ago uh, on Monday night or a couple days ago on Monday night football. So I think that the Bills, you know, continue to get Matt Breida involved. I think that they might have found something interesting there. I think you're going to miss Spencer Brown in the run game, but I think that uh, I, I have some confidence that not only will if Ford plays, will he play at least to an average level, kind of, uh, you know, rebound a little bit. I think they'll make adjustments. I think that they'll try to get guys involved. I think Stefan Diggs is feeling it all of a sudden. So I think they score enough. I'm going Bills 21-17. Uh, I think the Bills get a couple turnovers in this game, but something to watch. Bills right now lead the NFL at a plus 14 turnover differential. The Colts are second at plus 11. So whoever wins the turnover battle, which by the way, go back and watch the playoff game. Neither team turned it over last year. And that's one of the reasons it was so close, but I'm going with the bills at the end 21, 17 Buffalo. So they don't cover, 
but they get a win and they need a win. It doesn't matter how ugly this thing looks, Ryan, with the games that are on tap now, uh, after this, a short week against New Orleans, who have a really good defense, then New England, then the Bucks. You got to get all the wins you can get. I don't want to say this is one of their their more winnable games. I think the I think the game against the Saints is more winnable considering their quarterbacks play and, and who they have there. Uh, but this is a game that I still think, even despite not having Spencer Brown, uh, or most likely not having Spencer Brown, like you said, you know, th- there's a slim chance if he is vaccinated, he could. I have two negatives within 24 hours of one another and and maybe squeeze it in here, but I'm not anticipating him playing. Um, But this is still a game that I think the bills can fight and and grind and kind of pull out a a win. They can cause one or two mistakes by that Colts offense and kind of be that opportunistic defense that we've seen hold down the fort. You know, you know, what was really interesting this week, Matt, is when we talked to the coaching staff on Monday and Leslie Frazier said that the only game that they haven't really been exclusive nickel was that Titans game. And that Titans game was the one game where that defense was shredded, like absolutely shredded by Tennessee. So if, if the Bills are still able to find a way to play that, the, the defense that they, they've been playing for the majority of the season, I think they can slow down the Colts. They can limit the Colts' success, and it will be very, very, uh, like I said, I, think, I still think it will be a tight game, but it's going to be a winnable game when it's all said and done. Just a little update on the Colts injury report. It was a little bit daunting at the beginning uh, yeah. uh, on Wednesday. I mean, a lot of did not practices. Uh, some guys returned to practice today. Darius Leonard missed on Wednesday. He was uh, limited today on Thursday. So you want to check his status for Friday. Uh, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, full practices uh, today. So they're trending in the right direction. Uh, DeForest Buckner didn't practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with an abdomen, throat issue, and back issue. He's got a He's, he's all messed up. Uh, he was full today. Injuries. Yeah, seriously. Um, Eric Fisher also dealing with a back injury. So they're, they're trending in the right direction, a lot of those guys, but they seem to be pretty banged up. So that'll be something to, to definitely track. But before we get out of here, I want to shift gears. I, I, you know, we did this a lot when I first started with, you know, when the Bills were kind of building this thing, I thought it was, you know, always really interesting to get national voices on whatever the topic is, like uh, specifically like, Josh Allen. Like, I feel like anything you can get at the beginning as they were building, like, you know, that national narrative, like tracking that. I, I, I thought Bills fans enjoyed that. I, I don't do it as much anymore because there's a lot of established things here. But I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this week and I listen to Bill Simmons a ton, mostly for NBA content, because I think he's really smart. He's watched the NBA for decades. Uh, he wrote the book of basketball. Like, you know, I, I can't watch the NBA like I used to. So it's listening to his podcast, I think a lot of times kind of kind of keeps me informed and keeps me up to date, but he had Warren Sharp on this week and they kind of dove into the AFC East. Now, of course, Bill Simmons is a massive New England Patriots fan. So everything that he kind of says, you got to keep that in mind. But I think some of the stuff that he said was absolutely egregious and we'll get into that. But the big question that he asked that I thought was something worth discussing is number one, did we overrate the Bills talent a little bit? And I think just starting there, Ryan, like as we sit here after 10 weeks, like the Bills are still the Super Bowl favorite after everything, right? I mean, the most recent odds that came out are the Super Bowl favorite. Josh Allen's the current MVP uh, odds on favorite. So like, I, but at the same time, even though that, there's that love from Vegas in the books, I've, I sensed in, you know, in the national conversation the bills six and three start being a bit of a a flop if you will i know a lot of that has to do with the jags game but where do you stand how much have your expectations or thoughts on this team changed in 10 weeks well i I wouldn't say the only thing i wouldn't say is that there there may be not a clear cut super bowl favor in the afc i I think the afc is a little bit of a, a jumbled mess but I still think they can absolutely win the AFC at the same time. So I'm still not buying Tennessee. I know Tennessee beat Buffalo last second when Allen didn't convert the fourth down play, but you're talking no Henry most likely for the rest of the season. And I would assume playoffs would be a surprise if you were able to come back. Julio Jones dealing with this uh, hamstring injury. Now he's on the IR short term. Um, the, the offense hasn't been doing much. They're just finding ways to win. So I don't buy into them. We've seen the Ravens lose some bad games. Uh, we've seen this Patriots team, you know, they should have lost to the Houston Texans. The, the Texans got cute when they were up 22, nine 
and pretending like they weren't going to punt the ball. The punter didn't get back all the way and it gets blocked. And that was kind of the whole shift of the game there. But we've seen them lose to Miami and lose some tough games um, in, in the West. That uh, that entire division is kind of falling back to earth. Same with the North. So it, it's really tough to sit here and say that there's a clear cut, outstanding AFC team that, that's head and shoulders above the rest. So in that regard, I think the Bills are just as serious as ever. In terms of overestimating, overestimating their talent, I don't think that we have. Like you already mentioned with Josh Allen, uh, MVP favorite, still having putting up numbers that are very similar to last year, um, and doing it with defenses trying to take away certain things from him, um, and, and having some success in certain games. Don't get me wrong, but we're still seeing him shred a lot of defenses. We saw it last week. We've seen it many times this year. The run game is what we kind of expected. Maybe with a breed of that unlocks something. Diggs is still Diggs, even though defenses are trying to take him away. I think Emmanuel Sanders is obviously an upgrade over John Brown, who's been hopping around the league looking for opportunities since the Bills have let him go. Beasley still very good out of the slot. You still you you have Gabriel Davis, who's come alive in the last few weeks. More opportunities. Isaiah McKenzie, who can hurt you. And then maybe most of all, you have the emergence of Dawson Knox. Uh, someone that we were waiting on, waiting on, waiting on, and he's really showed up in a big way this year. So, no, I don't think we're overestimating Buffalo's talent. I think injuries. I think that just some maybe head-scratching game plans, some poor offensive line play affected into some of these losses. But, no, I, I think that the Bills' offense is still among not just the best in the AFC, the best in the league. Mm-hmm. So here's what Simmons, here was, was his take, and um, he had a, another comment on the show that I kind of want to dive into a little bit too, but he said the Patriots to me seem like a more balanced team. I think they have a better coach, which let's be honest, you know, we'll break this down piece by piece. I wouldn't fight him on that. I mean, Bill Belichick is, uh, you know, multi-time yeah, Super possibly Bowl the coach. best. Yeah, exactly. I think they have more ways they can win game to game. I want to get into that. Their arrows pointing up. They can run and pass. And really, the only thing you would say, in my opinion, if you're making the Buffalo case, is in one game, I trust Josh Allen over a rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. What else am I missing? Because I've watched 10 weeks of the season, and I think the Patriots are better than Buffalo right now. couple things here. Let's, let's start with more ways to win for the Patriots. I disagree with that. Because I think that depending on the game... They're a little bit more one-dimensional than even the Bills because I think that Josh Allen as a runner is as dangerous as anything that the Patriots can put together. Listen, Ramondre Stevenson, he looked great last week, but it was one game, okay? Let's let's calm down the hype train. Damian mm-hmm. Harris has been good this year. They have a really good offensive line that, when healthy, plays well. But when healthy, you know, Trent Brown's already been out a little bit this year. Isaiah Wynn historically struggles to stay healthy. Those are all pieces that you have to kind of flow in here. And it's all been good to this point for Mac Jones. He hasn't played, really hasn't played a defense like the Bills that's going to try to fool him and and disguise things. And that's when you start to maybe, you know, he's an accurate quarterback, but if you make the wrong decision, if you make the wrong read, interceptions change games. And I just think in those moments, Josh Allen going into his sixth and seventh matchup against Bill Belichick, that's a pretty big advantage. And defense for defense, Patriots defense is probably playing just as well as the Bills right now. Their back seven, led by J.C. Jackson, is good. I mean, really dangerous. Having Dante Hightower back, you're seeing them kind of coming into form. Matthew Judon, in my opinion, is probably the best free agent acquisition in recent memory in the NFL with how good he's been right off the jump. But I think when you're talking about ways to win, Josh Allen's an MVP candidate for a very specific reason. And this game comes down to the quarterback and he alone to Bill's point in the quote gives you more ways to win because he's a multidimensional player. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. He he's obviously can do a lot more than Mac Jones at this point in his career. Has Mac Jones gotten better over the, his rookie season? Absolutely. Uh, early on, it kind of seemed like dink and dunk, dink and dunk. He's starting to stretch the field a little bit more. He's starting to make big throws and, and, and things like that. They run the ball more effectively than Buffalo in terms of with their running backs. Absolutely. They've always been a very good running team. 
Harris has been good. Stevenson's been good. We've seen uh, White in, out of the backfield in his career, you know, being a weapon in that regard. We've seen numerous backs come and go in New England, put up some really good stats here and there, and then they would go as someone else. They, they always ride the hot hand, so to speak. So, yeah, they're a little bit better running the ball, but Buffalo's passing attack is better. Josh Allen is significantly more dangerous than Mac Jones. Defense, even if you can call it a wash if you want. I think the Bills overall, their defense is, is slightly better. But Judon, you mentioned it. He, he's been phenomenal. They, they've played very well in the, in the back end of that defense as well. So it, it's close when all things are considered. They, they have some stars. They create some turnovers. Judon is a nightmare to block all game long. So it, it would be a, it will be a very good match when these two teams face off in terms of watching the the offenses against these defenses. But we've also seen last year Josh Allen take that next step against Bill Belichick in the first game. It was kind of a grinded out win. Uh, obviously, Cam Newton was a quarterback in that one. They didn't have Mac in in those games last year. But then there was the blowout that second game where you know everything went right for the Bills in that primetime game and they absolutely uh, destroyed them. Different teams, different personnel. Uh, I still like the Bills. The Patriots did a nice job, and I, I can't even call it a rebuild. I've seen too many. I've seen ESPN, Bill Simmons, a lot of these places call it a rebuild. They were what seven and nine last year, and then they spent a hundred plus, hundred almost one hundred and fifty million dollars in free agency uh, on a bunch of names. And listen, for every Matthew Judon who's been an absolute stud. There's a Johnu Smith who's been who was inactive last week. There's a Nelson Aguilar who got paid pretty big money, and he has something like 200, maybe I think he has less than 300 yards receiving so far this year. So they found some players on offense, some players on defense, but that's going to happen when you go on a crazy shopping spree the way this team did. Their leading receiver right now is Kendrick Bourne, and I think he's at like 500 something odd yards, couple touchdowns. The most my biggest issue with anything Simmons said on the podcast, and like I said, like I said, I didn't really take big issue with it, but just because I thought that there were some interesting posed questions, and the the, the discourse with Walter uh, with Warren Sharp, who I think is really good, uh, was really good. And I thought Sharp brought some points up. He mentioned Feliciano being out, which, by the way, somebody asked about that. He's got one more week at least on IR, and then they'll kind of recalculate uh, with the calf injury. This is what Simmons said: uh, direct quote, "Is it possible the Bills?" just only have one above average, above average skill position guy. Other than Diggs, do they have another guy that's above average of all their weapons? And maybe that's part of this. You look at some of these other teams, I don't know if their offense from a skill standpoint is that different. Are their skill position guys better than the Patriot guys? I'm not even sure. I actually like the Patriots running backs way more, which is fine. Uh, I like Kendrick Bourne as like a second receiver more than anyone the Bills have. Okay. <laughs> William, William Simmons. Okay. I get it. We all put on our fad and goggles at times in our life, but I've never seen a more nonsensical comment in my life. Emmanuel Sanders is a Super Bowl champion, pro bowler. You know, this season, I think he's been better than born in every way possible. And he's like, at times, third fiddle in this offense, sometimes fourth fiddle, depending on the game plan. And he's still at about 500 yards and four touchdowns, which is more than born. That's number one. Number two, I get what you're saying about, you know, you know, Cole at week to week. It, you never know who's going to kind of pop up. Cole Beasley was all pro last year. He's had big time games this season. I'll tell you what. Dawson Knox is still tied for the touchdown tight end lead. Even after missing a couple games, I take Gabriel Davis over Kendrick Bourne. Is that, that, is might that, be a little, say? that might be a little bit of a hot take just because, he, you know, he was kind of lost in the shuffle until recently. But you saw what he could do in the, in this last matchup. Three catches, 105 yards. Uh, he can be a dangerous weapon. You, you know, you look at these teams and obviously they, they don't have a Stefan Diggs. So that's out the window. Um, I agree with what everything you said about Emmanuel Sanders. I think Sanders has been better when everyone's been out there. And that, that includes a Dawson Knox. Uh, Beasley. There's been games where I've watched him and I thought maybe he was he's a little step slower this year, but he's also been really banged up this year. So, I mean, that kind of accounts for it as well. He's dealing with right now with a rib injury. Uh, he's had a few different injuries this season, so that probably accounts for it. He's still great. You know, it is. It's kind of like those fan goggles. I think Kendrick Bourne's a fine player. There's no, I'm not, We're not bashing him. We're not saying he's not, but it's a pretty bold statement to come out and say that. And, and for the record, I would take Dawson Knox, 
uh, over Hunter Henry. You know, Hunter Henry is the tight end that they signed in free agency that's having success compared to Jonu Smith, obviously, who's really struggling there. Uh, but Hunter Henry has a, a long history of injuries during his time with the Chargers being banged up in his career. Dawson Knox, we're just starting to kind of scratch the surface on what he can do. So I can't even say that they're better in terms of the tight end position than Buffalo running. Absolutely. That run game, that, that offensive line, you can make the case for them too, but quarterback where it matters the most day head and shoulders. Josh Allen is significantly better than Mac Jones. Stefan Diggs is significantly better than anything. The Patriots have, I think Dawson Knox is on par, if not better than Hunter Henry. So, uh, th- th- there's a lot there to unpack from what he said, but I think a lot of it came from that fan perspective. Yeah. We just want to have some fun with it. I thought there was some good, uh, some good uh, conversational uh, points brought up by Simmons. Uh, and uh, I wanted to react to some of it because you know what the, the, bot- the, the long and short of it is, you know, the, the bills are now in a fight for the AFC East. You know, there's two games coming up in December that are going to have, that are going to go a long way in determining it. I think that if you're, if you're really, you know, setting this thing up and how the, the Patriots can win the AFC East. I really still think they probably got to win both of them depending on how this thing goes, because they already lost to the Miami dolphins. Uh, and it's looking like the bills are going to probably cruise to another win over the jets, which will put them four and zero in the rest of the division. So, you know, if they finish with the same record, you know, the bills will have the advantage if they split just based on division record. So, right. you know, we'll see how it plays out. They're going to be fun games to watch. If, if the Patriots do beat the bills twice in, in December, we will be talking about a legit Super Bowl contender. But until I see that, not willing to do it. All right, we got to get out of here, Ryan. If you're hosting a large party, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. You, you ready for New Orleans? Like, are you, are you ready for it? Like, are you ready? I'm ready from the standpoint of I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not ready from the packing perspective, which has not begun yet. That'll probably start on uh, Monday night. But don't worry, I've got it all planned out right up here, right in the old noodle. So looking forward to it. Cannot wait, Matt Barino. Yeah, I've talked to several members on the beat that are looking forward to uh, joining Ryan Talbot out on Bourbon Street and seeing what he's really made of uh, Wednesday night. So, uh, you know, you know what they say. Go hard or go home, and we'll we'll see we'll see how we'll see we'll see how it goes. Although you did tell me at one point that you know you can you can you can hold your liquor pretty well, so you know it might not it might not get that crazy. We shall see. <laughs> For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will see you all on Sunday. Bills Colts. We'll be with you afterwards. Take care, everybody. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.